0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. The cross of Jesus Christ is the first place that a believer begins their journey with God. And the cross represents the sacrifice of Jesus and the first point of God's plan of redemption for us. But the cross is only the starting point for God's plan for his children. And in today's message, Pastor Lane Hawkins from Neighborhood Church in San Francisco visits ALWC with a timely word titled, The Power of the Resurrection. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast.
1: Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Now, now, let, let me just help you with something real quick, something that I learned. Uh, when we're in worship, clapping is not appropriate because worship is intimacy amen when we're intimate with our spouse we're not clapping we're enjoying we're 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 engaging amen so when we do worship it's a time of intimacy amen it's time of intimacy where we we extend our hearts and we worship and we we love on god the actual word to worship means to kiss when my wife says give me a kiss i may clap before but when i'm kissing her, i ain't clapping Amen. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all looking at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Amen. So when we worship, it's a time for us to, to lift our hands and lift our hearts before the Lord. And we engage him in a spiritual place. We engage him with all that we have. So we worship you today, God. Hallelujah, Lord, we worship you. You're so worthy of worship and glory. You're so worthy of all our praise you've done great and marvelous things for us whereof we are glad. Open our hearts and our ears that we may hear today in the name of Jesus. We bless you, Father, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. Say amen again. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, band. You guys may take your seats. How many realize there's a distinction between praise and worship? I used to be a worship leader, and uh, my... My distinction was the tempo of the song. If it was a, 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 that's praise, and then when we slowed it down, that was a worship. And I didn't know how wrong I was. (laughs) Worship isn't about the tempo, and praise isn't about the tempo. It's about the direction. It's about the direction. You see, when I praise God, I am talking about God i give that to you again. When I'm, when I'm praising, I'm talking about him. When I'm worshiping, I'm talking to him. Yeah. Amen. If my wife is walking down the street, and as fine as she is, and someone goes, ma'am, you certainly are beautiful. I mean, you know that is a praise. He's talking about her. But only I get to worship. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? O oh, Lord, you are good. For your mercy endureth forever and ever. O oh, Lord, you are good. Talking to God. Which is different than, for the Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. Can you see the distinction? One, I'm talking to God. The other, I'm talking about God. I'm saying the same words, but it changes the tone and the tenor of where we're going. Say amen, somebody. Amen. So God wants us to engage in worship because the Bible says that he's looking for worship. Anybody can praise. The rocks can cry out and praise God. But only a few, only people can worship God. Because God is looking for Rome, uh, John chapter 4. He's looking for true worshipers. Amen. Um, I, I have something heavy on my heart. I, I am a little. I've been preaching for 35, 36 years, and I'm a little nervous right now, because I'm trying to. I'm going. I'm going to let God use me. But what I have to say is kind of on the cusp, on the cutting edge of some things, and I'm going to try not to offend anybody. Amen. And and uh, I, I want to share what God has put, my, put up on my heart. So, I, Maya, I want to let you know, I may deviate from what I sent you guys, so if I do, don't kick me like you kicked that girl. <laughs> Y'all ever see Maya do her boxing? Maya, Maya, this girl walked up on Maya, she said, Poof. that girl said, oh no, I quit. She started taking stuff off. <laughs> oh, it's good, it's good. My wife, I, I wrote my notes, We didn't even talk about this, but the prophetic word came out, there's got to be more. I had two questions I was going to ask you, and one question was, have you ever wondered, is there more? Have you ever thought, is this it? Have you ever wondered, is there more? And Have you ever thought, is this it? I heard Pastor Derry say um, that we have to take back what the enemy has stolen. I want you to know that we've given up more than he's ever stolen. I'll try and say that one over here. We have relinquished more than he's ever stolen. I can't blame him for stealing because that's in his nature. So when I lose something, I need to look at me because what did I give up? Why did I let go of it? Why, why did I relinquish what I relinquished? When he said, pray that prayer, I, I was with, with Pastor, I said, I relinquished it. I let it go. Because there's a process. John 10 says, the thief cometh not but for to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. I want you to understand, there's a sequence. The sequence starts with stealing. But it ends with destruction. And how does destruction come about? When you begin to self-perpetrate. Wrong word. When you begin to, to do it yourself now. When, when he's, he's got you so deceived now, where you are now acting upon it yourself. It, it's become perpetuating in your own life. It's your own cycle now. He doesn't have to do anything else any longer because now you're, you're living out the whole cycle by yourself. Now it's destructive. And I want you to realize something today. Oh, God help me. I want you to realize something today. That all that you ever will need is already yours. All that you ever will need is already yours. And many of us are missing it because we stop at a certain place. The three most important chapters of the Bible. All, I don't even know how many chapters there are in the Bible. Thousands, 1800, 1900, I don't even know. The three most important chapters of the Bible. Who would have any gander what three chapters are? I knew you know I told you. (laughs) That ain't fair, that's cheating. I gave her the test notes. The three most important chapters in the Bible. Genesis what? 26. one twenty-six. I said chapters, not verse. Three most, Genesis 1. What would be the second one? John 3. Matthew 2. We, we guessed out here. Let me give them to you. The three most important chapters of the Bible. You guys ready? Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and Genesis 3. The three most important chapters that we as believers need to know. I've, I've wondered for years, Pastor Derry, why does my ministry, and my, they'll tell you, I spend a lot of time in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I never really understood it until about two weeks ago. I was on my run, and God said, these are the most things. These, in these three chapters contain everything you ever need to know. In Genesis chapter 1, we learn about God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved over the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. We learn everything we need to know about God in Genesis chapter 1. We learn he is a creator. We learn he is is the author. We learn he is sovereign over his creation. We learn he is eternal in the beginning. That means he was before the beginning. We learn his attributes all in Genesis chapter 1. Everything he did was what? That means what? God is not only does it mean it's good, when you take it a little bit further, it means God it was in order. So not only is he good, but he also does things how? In order. So we can look at the, the, the theology of God all from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 2, what do we learn about? We learn about man. Genesis 1, 26, he makes man. Genesis 2, he says, and God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And man became a living being. And God put him east in the garden and told him that I want you to tend the garden and keep it. And Adam named all the the animals. And so in Genesis 2, we see the structure of man. What man is supposed to do. Now I want you to understand this. That man's first day was God's last day. I want you to understand that. Man's first day was God's last day. So man was created to walk in God's rest. So Genesis chapter 2, we see that that we have Genesis 1, we see we have God. Genesis 2, we see we have man. And when I mean man, Adam, and and the Bible says that he made them, Adam and Adam. He he put them into Adam. Male and female was in him, Adam. Later in Genesis chapter 2, then he pulls Eve out. Then in Genesis chapter 3, we have the third introduction. We have the introduction of Satan. He's the serpent. He comes to deceive Eve. Oh, good, I'm just kind of, I'm all over the place now. (laughs) He comes to deceive Eve, or deceive. That God said. See, in Genesis chapter 3, we have the character character. And the nature of Satan, just like Genesis chapter 1, we have the character and nature of God. And Genesis chapter 2, we have the character and nature of man. Because in Genesis chapter 3, his character, his character, she's, <coughs> his character. <laughs> it's all good, man. His character is that of an accuser. He is the accuser of the brethren. And the first, the first person he accuses is not Adam and Eve. The per- first person he accuses is God. He said, hath God said? Not only do we see his character, but we see his nature. His nature is found later in Genesis chapter 3 where Eve says, the serpent deceived me. So we see in Genesis chapter 1 we have the character nature of God. Genesis 2 we have the character nature of man. And Genesis 3 we have the character nature of Satan. Everything after Genesis 3 up to John 20, right? I want you guys to understand this. Everything after Genesis 3, so Genesis 4 through John 20, is about going back to Genesis 2. The place that God has for you is Genesis 2. God wants you to live where? In his rest. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hebrews, does there not yet remain a rest for us? Yeah. God wants you to remain in his rest. But in order to do that, we have to understand. So in Genesis 2, what we have is we have what I call the problem. I'm sorry, not 2. Genesis 3. We have the problem. Right? Right? Let, let's go. Here we go. Uh, where am I at here? I uh, did that one. Did that one. The, the, I, we have the key. It's Genesis three fifteen. Can you get that? Genesis three fifteen. So after Eve deceives, Eve, I'm sorry. After Satan deceives Eve, and then Adam willfully sins. God shows up on a scene, and he says, "Adam, where are you?" And Adam and Eve had heard, they hit themselves because they heard the sound of, they heard the voice of God walking. That's powerful. They heard the voice of God walking. Even in, a un, even in a fallen state, they were still able to discern the voice of God. And they were so terrified of it that they hid themselves. Where in Genesis 2, they were so appreciative of it, they wanted to get in His presence. Are y'all with me? Genesis three fifteen, he says, "I will put enmity between your seed, between uh, you, your seed and her seed." That word enmity means hostility. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is the key to everything. This verse is the key to. Everything else. Can I go back? Go back to Genesis chapter two, because I'm going to show you this. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to keep it and tend it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Every tree of the garden you may freely eat. If you underline freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat you shall surely die. You guys see that. The end of verse 16 says, you shall freely eat. Verse 17 says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely what? Die. Everybody say die. die. Can I clear something up real quick? Satan is not a creator. His ability, his power lies in his deception. Deception. He cannot create anything. He counterfeits everything. And his, his goal is to deceive you to give up what you have. Amen. Come, on. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask this question. Who created death? We're afraid to say this. God is the author of death. Satan does not create death. But in this moment here in Genesis 2, death is inanimate. Yeah, right. It's present but not active. Yeah. So God tells Adam, listen, I'm, death is over here, but don't do what you, what you would want to do because once you do what you shouldn't do, death is going to become active in your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's why God is trying to get us back to Genesis 2, where death is, has no power... present but not active are y'all with me so he says the day you eat the the actual hebrew says dying you will die because we know that adam didn't die right away he went on in genesis chapter 4 he had two several sons right so he didn't die right away matter of fact I, i i believe he had to learn how to die Because that wasn't who he was, nat- naturally. Death, he had to learn how to die. Now that we're on the other side of that, we know trying to learn how to live. God. Amen, somebody. Amen. So we see that God is the author of death. So now now we have Genesis 3 where we have the fall. And then in Genesis 15, we have that he's going to put enmity between the woman's seed and her seed. You know what that's talking about? That's not just talking about Jesus. It is Jesus, but it's not just. It's about him being incarnate. That he's going to be born of a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, a virgin shall bear a child, and he shall be a sign unto you. So the birth of Jesus was a sign that things were about to change. <laughs> the birth of the incarnation of Jesus incarnate, incarnate, God becoming incarnate, carnate flesh, carnitas asadas, carnate, right? Meat, that, that he was becoming flesh. So we see here in Genesis 3:15, he says, "Your, your seed uh, put in between your seed and her seed. We have the incarnation, which is man's hope." The second thing we see here in this one verse, we have his life, and you shall and he shall bruise your head." His life Jesus, his life was an example. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. His life was about dealing with demonic, demonic oppression, not just possession. As a believer, you may not be possessed by the devil, but you certainly can be oppressed by the devil. Are y'all with me? So we see, we have in this one verse, we have the incarnation, we have his life, but we also have his death. It says this, and he and you shall bruise his heel. Isaiah 53, verse number four and five says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded. For our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. And the word bruising indicates that blood was, was in a different place, if I can say it that way. When you get a bruise, it's when you break the capillaries in your skin and the blood releases, but because the skin has not been opened, the blood stays under the skin. We call that a bruise. And you have to be careful because if you have a deep bruise, that, bone, that blood calcifies, and you have what's called a, a bone bruise or something like that. All right, turns turns to a bone, turns calcified. So you got to be careful with with deep bruises because the blood's got to flow. So this talks about here that Jesus, number one, that Jesus had to come and he had to come uh, incarnate. Number two, it talks about his life. Number three, it talks about his death. And if we were to go on in Genesis chapter 3, we'd see that after the Satan, after he says, Satan, on your belly shall you go all the days of your life. Of the dust of the ground you shall eat. Then he goes to the woman he says, listen, in childbearing shall shall be labor for you. My daughter said one day, Eve, I got to get you one day. She said, I'm a Daddy. I'm gonna get up to Eve. I'm gonna talk about Eve one day. He said, Listen, in childbearing, your, your, your desire is gonna be for your husband. And he, he gives her all of these things. And then he gets to the man. He says, Listen, thorns and thistles, the ground is cursed for your sake. And it's gonna bring forth thorns and thistles, and you're gonna work the sweat of your brow. He deals with Satan. He deals with woman. He deals with man. He deals with sin. But notice what he doesn't deal with. Have you ever paid attention that he doesn't deal with death? He says nothing about death. So how does God deal with death? And this is important for us to understand because many of us stop at the cross. There to the cross was the blood applied singing glory to His name. And for many of us, See, see, what I want you to, to see this, and, and please hear, hear what I'm trying to say, because I'm, I'm going to try and get out the best I can. Y'all with me? Amen. The Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And as a lamb, he needed to have an... No, no, he didn't have... Uh, lambs required something. Lambs required altars. I'll give it to you. Right? If a lamb was to be sacrificed, it was to be sacrificed on an altar. The cross is the Christian altar. But there was life to be lived after the altar. Yeah. <laughs> so we get stuck at the altar. And we look at the blood flowing because it's, ooh, I mean, we gory like that, right? The blood flowing, stuff splat, ooh, yeah, look at all that stuff. And so we get stuck at the altar, And we wonder why life isn't where it should be. God, there's got to be more. He says, yes, there is more. It's called the resurrection. But in order to get to resurrection, you got to go through the altar. See, we've been missing out of the totality of this Christian life because we only celebrate resurrection once a year. Can't wait to Easter. Ooh, good Friday. We're going to have our seven last words of Christ on the cross. Yeah, and thank God for the cross. But here's what I want you to know, is the cross deals with your sin. And so as long as we stop at the cross, we, we're continuously dealing with our sin. What about beyond the cross? What about now that you've been your sin's been forgiven? How are you going to live? Well, the resurrection gives you the power now to live. Thank God for the cross. We need the cross. Our lives would not be the same without the cross. But it's because of the resurrection that gives the cross its power. And so we must learn how to live a resurrected life. To live in the resurrection that Jesus Christ has died and rose again for you. He rose again for you. So we can't just stop at the cross. The Bible says this. It's in Romans chapter 4. Um, verse 25. He was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Justification. See, if we never get past the cross, constantly the thing that's on our mind is the offenses. Yep. Amen. The constant reminder is our offense. And, and it's to so, it's so the place where you go to some, some uh, uh, religious our, our Catholic brothers, they still got him on the cross. They still have him on the cross. He's no longer on the cross. Amen. Amen, somebody. The Bible says he is at the right hand of God, ever making intercession for us. He's the, he said it is finished. He didn't say he was finished. It, y- y'all missed that one. He said it's finished, but he didn't say he was finished because he's still making intercession for us. So we must learn to move through the cross into the resurrection. Hmm. John chapter 11. Uh, I didn't give that. Uh, Mary and Mar- uh, Lazarus dies. Jesus is in Bethany. And he hears that Lazarus was dead. And, and his disciple says, Lord, the one whom you love, he's dead. He, he goes, he ain't dead, he's just asleep. He's just asleep. And they say, well, if he's asleep, he does well. And Jesus wait four days. Why does he wait four days? Because in Jewish tradition, that they, they believe that the spirit can come back into the body within three days. So he waits for the fourth day until everyone will know he's dead. Amen. Amen. He gets there, and I believe it was Martha. I always get those two mixed up. One of, one of the sisters, Mary and Martha, I can't remember which one it was, runs out to meet him. Martha, thank you, runs out to meet him, and she says these words words, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died." In other words, God, this problem only happened because you were not present." And he says, "Martha, you believe?" He says, "Your brother will live again." He says, "I know, Lord, now, now she's pious. I know, Lord, he's going to live. He's going to live in the last day. We all basically going to live." And she said, "I am the resurrection." I am the resurrection. This is not an event. This is a person. Amen. See, when we see it just as an event, it, it diminishes its significance. It diminishes its importance. But Jesus, is a, he, is, he is the resurrection. So we must learn to appropriate all that he did on the cross. All that he went through when He three days in the, in, in, in the grave. Going down to Sheol the holding place, preaching to the captives, leading the captives free, coming up and being a wit- uh, showing himself to 5,000 and dis- uh, 500 Peter and the disciples, and then going, going up to heaven and presenting his blood to the Father. Man, if we understood that! Anybody ever, ever have a bully? I had a bully. I think I told y'all last time I had a bully growing up. But I had no one to beat up my bully. So I, I had to deal with him. Man, here he come. And then the kid was just looking for friendship and relationship. It wasn't. It's, it's, yeah, anyway. But anybody that has a bully beaten up, they don't tend not to mess with you anymore. Because they know you got someone badder than them. <laughs> yeah, y'all. Let me try and say If your bully ever gets beat up. Your bully knows not to mess with you because he knows you got someone that's better than them. So, through the cross, it looks like the enemy's won. Because remember, the prophecy is, you're going to, he's going to bruise your head, and you're going to bruise his heel. The concept of a bruised heel in Jewish tradition is, when they would hold the baby up, they would hold him by the heel. So, and when the baby would move, that signified life. So he says, listen, you're gonna bruise his life! You're going to kill him. That's why when the very first person that we see in the Bible, Cain, he does what? He kills Abel. Why? Because the devil wants to contaminate the seed of God. His desire is to contaminate the seed that you're carrying. So he he gets Cain to kill Abel. He tries to get get Abraham to uh, to sleep with. not. He tries to get Abraham to have Sarah sleep with an Egyptian. Why? Because not only can he contaminate the, the seed, he wants to contaminate the womb. And then he gets Abraham to sleep with Hagar. But God says, I know you have an Ishmael, but there's still an Isaac coming. I know you have an Ishmael, but there's still an Isaac coming. So the devil walks around as a bully. But because we're stuck, and I I mean no disparaging when I say this, because we're stuck at the cross, that's the place where the bully killed him. That, that represents what the what the bully took his life. Because the Bible says, had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified him because they, he would have resurrected him. They didn't know the resurrection was part of the deal. So they thought all we got to do is kill him. So once they killed him, God said, thank you very much. You've activated my plan to deal with the final enemy, which is death. I've dealt with sin on the cross, but now death is going to be dealt with through my resurrection. So so when we just get stuck at the cross, then we struggle with our stuff. We struggle so much because we're stuck at the cross. We're still dealing with what he did on the cross, that's my sin. But your stuff is on the other side of your sin. Peter understood it. He says by his stripes we were here. Why? Because Peter looked at it on the other side of the cross. He looked at it on the other side of the cross because everything that he went through on the cross was guaranteed in the resurrection. See, the resurrection is like your receipt. Yeah. Amen. Right. <laughs> hey, 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 See something I can borrow real quick. Gee, let me, let me just, just, no, no, just take this one. Let me take this. I ain't going to look at your nose. Oh, no, no. <laughs> How do I know this is yours? I took it from him. <laughs> Where's your receipt? Where's your proof? Where's your evidence? You see, we let stuff happen, stuff get taken from us because we don't know that we have a receipt. Y'all missed that one. We don't understand that we have a receipt. That we can hold on to that says, devil, you can't take anything. That is mine. Here's the receipt for it. Three days later, he got up again. You may have killed him on the cross. But three days later, he got up again with all power in his hand. So because he's got all power, everything that, that I need, of, he's going to give it right. He's going to give me right. Not because I'm looking for it because he's already given it to me. Why? Because I'm living in Genesis 2. See, once we get back to the resurrection, Genesis 2 comes alive again. Are y'all with me on this? Genesis 2 comes alive where God provided everything that Adam needed. Everything that Adam needed, God said, I got you covered. I'm going to put you in the garden. I'm going to put you in my presence. I'm going to put you, in my pre- I'm put you on the east side of the garden. Why the east? Because the sun rises in the what? The sun rising east, so Adam had to walk in a place with God where he had to discern the next day. Yeah, y'all missed that one. He was looking in a place with God where when the sun rose up, Adam was looking at the day he was living. He was looking at the next day coming. So I think things don't surprise me. I'm trying to walk in a place. In Genesis 2, remember man's first day was God's last day. I walk in God's rest. I work in God's rest. Come on, somebody. We need to learn to live in God's rest. How do we do that? By understanding the resurrection. Don't cut short the resurrection because when you cut short the resurrection, you never fully make it into Genesis 2. I'm making any good sense. See, the goal... The goal was not the cross. The goal was to get you and me back to Genesis 2. The cross was the means, the cross was the door into the grave, which allowed us to get back to Genesis 2. But for many, many years, we all got stuck at the cross. And there's nothing wrong with the cross. Please don't mis- misunderstand that. We need the cross in our lives. Jesus said, we well, let every man bear, 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 uh, 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 bear his own cross. We have to deal with all of those things. But Genesis 2 becomes a reality after the resurrection for our lives. Do you guys realize, what's the first book of the New Testament? I knew y'all was going to say that. I knew y'all was going to say that. What's the first book of the New Testament? Acts is the first book of the New Testament. How can it be a New Testament when the testator hasn't died? See, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are an extension of the Old Covenant. Jesus did all those things under the Old Testament. But Paul says in Hebrews, there's a better <laughs> Come on, somebody. If you're looking at what he did in John, if you're looking at what he did in Luke, you're looking at what he did in Matthew, you're looking at what he did in Mark, John said, or not John, but, but Hebrew says, there's a better covenant that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we're stuck on this side of the cross. So in essence, we're stuck in the Old Testament trying to live a New, New, New Testament reality. That's why We struggle. Am I okay? We get stuck at the cross. We're living on the wrong side. And please, please, I want to reiterate this. We need the cross in our life. It is appropriate. It is necessary. It is vital for our salvation. So y'all with me when I say this, right? But we can't get stuck there. Where all that we see is the cross. We've got to go beyond the cross to the grave. And understand that the grave, he was down for three days, but he came back up again. Which says that all that the cross... Made available. It really is mine now. That's my receipt. This is my receipt for what he did. Devil, you can't take my joy. Why not? Because he rose again. Devil, you can't take my health. Why not? Because he rose again. Devil, you can't take my wife. Why not? Because he rose again. Devil, you can't take anything that you want. Why not? Because he rose again. Because he rose again. again. That's why it has to be more than just the one day event in our lives. We wait for Easter Sunday to put our best clothes on to be, to, to produce our best sermons because we know we're going to have the best crowds to do all the wonderful things and pageantry and Easter uh, parade and all of these wonderful things And but it's not just one day a year my brothers and sisters. It has to become a way of life. We have to learn to live in the resurrection where we walk in the resurrected life of God. That's why Paul said I want to know him the the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable conformed unto his image we must learn to walk in the resurrection thank God for the cross God we needed it you prophesied it we needed it But the resurrection was left out. Because the way to stop it is not to kill him. See, Jesus just being alive on the earth wouldn't have done nothing for our sin. He should have just left him alone. Let him do what he was going to do. But Satan had to kill him because it was prophesied he was going to die. His blood needed to be shed. It needed to be seen. And it needed to be applied to the doorposts of our lives. But after the deaf angel passed over them in in Exodus, they had to come back outside. They had to walk in their deliverance. Well, y'all missed that. Let me give that to you again. They, they painted the doorpost on the outside so it had to be seen. Excuse me, it had to be shed. It had to be seen and it had to be applied. So that when the death angel came he would pass over them. That's where we get the, the concept of Passover. But once he passed over the next day they still had to walk outside in their deliverance. See as long as we stuck at the cross it's partial deliverance. You've been, you, you got set free from your sin, but have you really embraced the totality of your freedom? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you got set free from sin, but have you embraced the totality of your freedom? Yeah. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Once we get the truth of the resurrected life in our lives, it will make us. We don't have to worry about sin. We don't have to worry about stuff. We don't have to worry about pain. We don't have to worry about problems. We don't have to worry about who like us, who don't like us. None of that stuff matters. Why? Because I'm a whole new creature. I'm a whole new creation. Can I give you this last little thing? Are are y'all okay? I'll give you this last little thing real quick. There was a man named Saul, and Saul was a religious zealot. Saul, killed in the name of his religion, had a man named Stephen stoned. While Stephen was there being stoned, the heavens opened up, and Stephen saw Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, Interesting that while they were stoning, the one that was being stoned saw something that nobody else could see. Don't worry about who throwing stones because there's something you can see nobody else can see. (sighs) Saul was present. Saul Saul had uh, a letter, an edict given to him that said he had the ability to kill anybody that was in the way. Not in the way, but in the way. Anybody that believed in Jesus, they called him the way at that time. Do you know that Christian is not a term that was given to us in the Bible? It's a term that heathens put upon us. That's a term heathens put upon us that we've adapted. We were people of the way. I learned our history. So he had these letters and so where where they would go in hiding and, and, and not be around when Saul came around. And then one day, Saul on his road to Damascus, riding his horse. The Bible says a bright light shone upon him, so bright it knocked him off his horse, blinded him. And he says, who are you, Lord? Not lowercase l. Uppercase L. Who are you, Kurios? Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you persecuted. It's possible. We don't know for sure. It's possible giving Saul stature that he was at the cross of Christ. It's possible they had interaction. We don't know for sure. They were they were commentaries uh, and comrades in comrades. They were same time. I don't know the word proper word for that, but what was that? Contemporaries. Thank you. Thank you. They were contemporaries. They they were living at the same time. They could have passed each other. He could have heard Jesus minister in the synagogue. We don't know. He could have been at the cross. We, we could have seen, he could have been at the wedding where Jesus turned water into wine. He could have been there when blind Bartimaeus was healed. He, he could have been there when, when the ten virgins were there. He could have been there when he fed the five thousand with two fish and five loaves of bread. Could have been at any of those things, but here's what we do know none of that moved him. He wasn't a believer because of the miracles. He wasn't a believer because Jesus spoke eloquently or with power, with conviction, with authority, with anointing. He wasn't a believer because he saw him die. He wasn't a believer, but what transitioned him into a believer was the resurrection. (laughs) What changed Paul's life was the resurrection. What got Paul moving in a whole day different direction wasn't necessarily the cross because he had to go through the cross to die we understand that right but it it wasn't that it was it wasn't all the gifts it wasn't all the things that he did but it was simply he encountered a resurrected jesus see we if we get people to encounter a resurrected jesus a lot of the stuff we're struggling with will just go away because a resurrected jesus any day is better than jesus still on the cross I hope I'm making sense. We need to encounter the resurrected Jesus. Because when we do, we'll stop blaming the devil for stuff we lost. When we do, we'll start understanding he has no power over me. We'll understand. I've already received. I don't have to receive. Do I need to explain that? No. See, in the resurrection, I got back all that was already lost. I receive it in the resurrection. So I don't have to receive it again. Because he brings me back to Genesis chapter (laughs) 2. Adam had everything he needed in Genesis 2. But the devil deceived him in Genesis 3, so he lost what he had in Genesis 2. Are y'all with me? My brothers and sisters, thank y'all for letting me get this off my chest. <laughs> this has been burning in me for four weeks. God has opened this up and I've, stuff I've seen, I've never seen this way before. But I believe that if we can grab a hold of this, transformation not only is available, but it's impactful. Let me say that one again. See, we can transform making no impact. But God wants us to make a transformation where there's an impact. And when we begin to appropriate and understand that we live a resurrected life, not just a crucified life, but we live a resurrected life, it becomes impactful. You live a certain way. You live a certain way. Stuff don't move you the way it used to move you. You stop crying and whining about stuff to God. <laughs> Do you know indication of our maturity level is based upon a lot of stuff how we cry and why to God whine to God, to God about stuff? Watch this. Watch this, watch this, watch this. We come into this faith as sheep. But God's interaction with sheep is very limited. Because you do stuff with sheep you don't do with a bride. Because the goal of you is not to stay sheep. The goal of you to, is to matriculate to a bride. See, I may walk my sheep if I had them. i would let them go out and graze, whatever sheep do. My interaction with sheep is on a sheepish level. But as we matriculate and go up into bridehood, the interaction with God becomes much different. Because the Bible says it is not appropriate for a man to lay with an animal like he does with a woman. So some of us are trying to get something, but we're still at sheepish level because we're we're living in the flesh Get, get, okay, get, um, okay. Well, listen to this. So, one of the, uh, I think it's Genesis 19. I, I think it is um, a little bit later, maybe 16. He says to the serpent, He says, On your belly shall you go all the days of your life. And the dust of the ground you shall what eat. Everybody say, The dust you shall eat. <clears throat> so, let, let's, let's connect some dots real quickly here while I wrap, wrap this up. Genesis chapter 2 tells us that God formed man, and we know when he says he formed man, he's not talking about the, a spiritual man. That's Genesis 1, 26. Spirit was created in one twenty-six, but man is given a body in two. And God formed man out of the what? The dust of the ground. So our bodies represent what? As a matter of fact, when people die. I just did three funerals this last month. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, because that's what our body returns to. Paul says in uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 3, he says, Are you not carnal? I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. So anytime we are carnal, we're producing dust. Well, let me say it this way. Anytime we're carnal, we're living in dust. So we see in Genesis chapter 3, he's a serpent, but in Revelations, he's a dragon. How does he go from serpent... To dragon. Because people have been feeding him. Peter says, your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he what? Devour. What does the word devour mean? To eat. So he's looking for people that are producing dust in their lives. He's looking for people that are living a carnal life. To feed him. Because he feeds off of dust. He feeds off the flesh. That's why we have to maintain that I've been resurrected with Christ. I, yet though I was dead in him, I am alive in him now. So no matter what happens, devil, I'm going to maintain a spiritual mentality. I'm not going to give you any food. I'm not going to give you any fodder in my life. You, I am immune. I declare it now in Jesus' name that I'm immune from your attacks. I'm immune. Why? Because I am a resurrected creation. I've been resurrected with Him. I live, but I live not in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave Himself for me. I'm living in a resurrected life. And ever since I've been dealing with this, man, the enemy's just been... and bringing up stuff from 40 years ago. Stuff I ain't felt in 40 years. I'm going, but may, maybe even to see, uh, 54, 50, no, not 50, 45, I'll say 45 years, I just say 54. 45 years, I was nine and 10 years old. And he's going back to then. Why? Because he's trying to get me back to feeling, a, to, to getting an understanding of what it, what it felt like before. But I've come to the place where I realize it's not just about the cross. And thank God for the cross. But when I, be, when I understand I've been resurrected, oh, you done messed up now. I've got a revelation that God that God kept secret from you and you tried to hide it from me because you knew that once I understood the resurrection, just like Jesus is uh, is the overcomer, I too now am an overcomer because he lives. He's not dead. He is alive. It's unfortunate that we've allowed songs to generate our theology. Leave that one alone. (laughs) Leave that one alone. We must get back. Three most important chapters of the Bible. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Genesis 3 talks about who? 1. I'm sorry. Genesis 1 talks about who? Genesis 2 talks about who? Genesis 3 talks about? It deals with Satan. And then it deals with the punishment and judgment. The goal is to do what? Get us back to? Genesis 2. So understand Genesis 2. (laughs) End of Genesis 1. And God blessed him and said, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, subdue, fulfill the earth. Come on, somebody. God God said, this is what I created you to be. Subdue, fulfill, multiply, increase. Come on. Adam named all the creatures, giraffe, hippopotamus. Ant eater, aardvark, road runner. You come out, he looked by, whatever it is. So that gives you you the ability to speak into what you're looking. This is life. It will not die. It, I'm speaking life into this. Why? Because God created in Genesis 2 where Adam named the animals. I'm going to name it right now. It is alive. It's life. Yeah, devil, you may want to take my marriage, but it's alive right now. Yeah, devil, you may want to take my job, but it's alive right now. Yeah, devil, you may want to take my money, but it's alive right now. I'm calling it what I, not what I see it, but I'm calling it what I want it to be. It is alive in Jesus' name. Adam walked around in a confidence. Top of the food chain. With a swagger. That's how you know he was from Africa. He was walking, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all oh, know. Walked around top of the food chain. Not because he was bad, but because of his relationship. <laughs> the cross opens the door but the resurrection say yeah you're mine yeah. See if i get stuck in if i was coming here today the pastor let me in and i got to the door and stopped yeah thank god for alwc hallelujah and i'm praising on the street That, that's like, what that's like is going into the, the tabernacle. Three chambers. Am I doing okay? The tabernacle with three chambers. You have the outer court, you have the inner court, and you have the holies of holies. What good is it for them to get just to the outer court? And stop at the outer court where there's a sacrifice. Where there's a, the altar, the brazen label. And not go into the prayer room where there's an altar of incense, the bread of life, the menorah. And then just get stuck there and not go into the holies of holies where there's the Ark of the Covenant. We should never have... See, what the devil said, I I, I lost this battle, but I'm going to stop them. If I can get them to stop at the cross. Thank God, yeah, they'll know they're saved, but I can deal with them if they're only in a saved life. <laughs> Y'all, this, this is. Uh, see, we, we were glad we were saved. I, the church I come from, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, and that would fine. We, we were glad with the fact that we were saved. But there's much more that you're to do after salvation. But if you never get to the resurrection, you just happy you at the cross. You singing at the cross, you dancing at the cross. But God says, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I understand the cross. But there's more after the cross. There's power. Power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. And there is saving power, delivering and healing power. But that's not a present without the resurrection. See, without the resurrection, the blood means nothing. I'm going to give that one to you. Because Jesus becomes a dead martyr like everybody else. He's dead just like everybody else. Jesus said, no man take my life. You don't have enough power to kill me. No man's going to take it, but I'm going to give it up. He said, you destroy this temple, in three days I'll raise it up. Resurrection. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank God for the cross. But the cross is the door. It was never to be a stop sign. It was to be the door into the holy place. It was to be the door, the access point. I'm hearing another verse, Matthew chapter 11. Remember Genesis 2? Genesis 2 is God's seventh day, which is what? God rested. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying that once you get through the cross and you get into the resurrection, you return. I'm going to say it the way y'all said it a little bit earlier. You are restored (laughs) back to Genesis 2. See, Genesis 2 is not something new. It's a restoration. Uh, But sometimes we don't understand that when you go through a restoration process, it's sometimes a little messier than just building. But here's here's the beauty of it. Restoration generally comes with more than what you lost. <laughs> if I had a 1965 Mustang, right? And, and let's say it wasn't in pristine condition, but it was in okay condition. But let's say I restore that thing back to f- factory and then a little bit extra. What I bought for $2,000, I now can sell for 50000 restoration gives you a little bit more than what you had <laughs> but it is dirty it is messy it is bloody but on your process to restoration don't worry about it just know that there's something greater in store amen i don't know how much time i took but i took it <laughs> god bless you let's let's can i pray is that okay Pastor? Let, let's stand real quickly let's
0: stand Thank you for listening to today's message titled The Power of the Resurrection by Pastor Lane Hawkins. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and our events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. And on our media page, you can find uh, more information about our live streamed worship services, which are broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash abundantlifeworship.net or you can even better yet, join us any Sunday morning in the city of Vallejo, California for one of our live worship services. Please feel free to join us again next time for our next podcast. And until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.